25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right, let's go. The week just rolls along. We're kind of on the back half of the week now and uh, a step closer to the weekend. And You know what all that means. Welcome in on this Thursday. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Hometown heroes, that's what we call the local Farm Bureau Insurance agents in your county. Available to you in all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi. Thanks also to C Spires, helping us uh, stay connected. I, I stay connected to you around the clock, 24 hours a day, on social media, tweeting and uh, posting to Instagram and uploading to Facebook and live streaming here and there and all that kind of stuff. Thanks to my iPhone 8 from C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire where they are customer-inspired. Beaver, look, man, I just I want to confess. I, I sat down here. I put on the headset a little early. Today I got connected early, put on the headset. I heard Chris Brooks on the gridiron talking about golf, or he mentioned golf, and I just started having a few thoughts and decided to text the show. It wasn't that I was trying to hijack at y'all's show, mm-hmm. the gridiron from ten to twelve. I was, and in no way. <laughs> and the other thing is, how would I know that earlier in the show there were texts from listeners y'all didn't get to? <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. You know, I only said that because I knew you were listening. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, right. I know that. Yes, yeah, I do know. Matt, it's uh, it's safe to assume. Well, it's safe to always assume that. When it comes to the gridiron, when it comes to Chris, there are going to be texts that are, go unread. Yeah. You know, the guy is as ADD as, like, I always thought I was ADD, but I'm not compared to him. <laughs> Chris is all over. Uh, look, here's the thing about it. He, um, when he, when he mentioned going to a break, he said, Okay, Matt, yeah, I see your text, and I'm going to talk about this golf thing next. Because I was really curious what he was going to say about his own golf swing, right? And so we go to, y'all went to commercial break, and you come back, and I was I had the headset on, and he says, yeah, uh, about this golf deal, let me, let me address that. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. And then did you notice what he did? What? He went, but before I address it, Matt, let me recap everything we've talked about on our two-hour radio show. That's right. And he proceeded <laughs> He proceeded to recap the whole show 
as the as like the preface for him talking about my text. <laughs> <laughs> so the only reason I bring that up is because when you said that I hi- hijacked the show, and I know you were sort of kidding, when you said I hijacked the show, I thought, well, hold on. I mean, I, all I wanted to do was know, does he have a good golf swing? <laughs> <laughs> Chris is the one who wanted to tell me that two hours ago y'all talked about cheese. No, I I think, how do I um, say this? This would be an unfair topic for you since, you know, you work uh, three of the four local shows uh, on the zone there in Jackson. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, if I lived permanently in the area and was in my car throughout the day, let's say I had a job like, you know, I'm a, maybe a, you know, a UPS driver or, you know, a mail carrier, and I'm in the car all day throughout these different time slots, which one would I listen to the most? Okay, I'm going to take my show out of it because there would be this natural bias. I can't answer that about my show. Which one? And I don't know. Like, they all have their uh, intricacies. They are all they have their own uh, eccentricities. But I think, honestly, I, I really think I'd probably be the biggest fan of the gridiron uh, because I think y'all have the most fun. <laughs> like, you know, Jake probably gives me the most information, right? Bo in the mornings probably is going to give me the most, you know, covering the controversies, especially stuff that I pretty much avoid, it seems like. And in, sure, in, in in terms of like sheer entertainment value, I think it would be the gridiron. I think they'd all be unique in that way. That's probably the way that I would look at it. And one thing I certainly do agree with Chris on, I heard him say, again, this is not like the gridiron post-game show, but I am talking about the gridiron just because I had the headset on. I got to hear more of it today. Um, but I totally agree with him, especially during this time, your texts – uh, and I, I don't say thanks. That's the thing about it. I, I, it hit me that I never – a lot of times I'll say, hey, I appreciate your phone call. Thanks for calling me. You know, when you call me on the Divini phone, that's pretty natural. I don't enough say thank you to the people who text the show because you're right. Um, he's right. Those texts really do help things to uh, to go. They There's this idea in sports radio – that people who are on the air, and this is a little behind the curtain, and then I'm coming to the phone line, that people who are on the air, all hosts of all shows, any genre, sports, politics, whatever, they generally fall into two categories. That, And again, it's just one theory, but the theory is that everybody falls into one of two categories. You're either a generator or you're a reactor. You know, based on your own personality your job, your role, all those things kind of factor into whether or not you are a generator of topics or you are a reactor, you know, within a certain topic. Uh, Shows that have multiple hosts, let's say you have two people who, you know, like are co-hosts on a show or something like that, or, you know, like on these shows, you know, Beaver's a producer, but he might as well be a host because, you know, he's talking all the time. People are either going to kind of naturally either be the one who reacts to what other people say or bring up, or you're going to generate the topics. You start it. 
and some of those things either come naturally to you or they don't. The fact is, and I've gone through some of those studies and trying to, you know, self-identify one way or the other over the years of my career, it's always become obvious to me that I'm much more naturally a reactor than I am a generator of ideas and topics. And so, therefore, reacting to you and our conversations over the text line or over the phone always feels so much better to me. I don't know that it's necessarily more entertaining. I just know that for me personally, it just feels so much better when we do a radio show that way. And I think that's because I'm naturally a reactor. There you go. There are books about that. If you're interested in reading, you go ahead. Now, so speaking of, uh, there's some topics we've got to get into here today to start the show. But first, your feedback, your comments uh, take the forefront. So I'm coming to the text line, the country pleasing text line in just a bit. Uh, you want to text me, get it in. It's 885-ESPN. That's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. Call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059, 601 number, 995-1059. On the text, I'm coming to Gator Nation and Matt, mail person and True Maroon. Uh, I'm getting to all y'all. Right now, though, uh, let's get the chicken hawk who's hanging on the Divinity phone. Mr. Hawk, happy Thursday to you. What's up, man? Uh, well, happy Thursday to you there, Bob. I told old Beef, I said, Beef, let me get on there before that rascal start pontificating. And, boy, you pontificated and pontificated. I ain't no- Look, <laughs> me and you, if we had a show together, Lord, how well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just one reason, all this stuff you're talking about now, I just wanted to ask two questions. I, I, don't, I, I think I don't forgot what I was called to ask, but I'm going to try to remember. <laughs> but, but, but. That's the reason Roger hired me, man, was to, you know, kind of juice up everybody's show. Mm-hmm. Except for that one in the morning, me and uh, Richard Cranium, I don't like, we don't get along. You know, him and his two little pom-pom girl, I mean, pom-pom boys, mm-hmm. we don't get along. But mm-hmm. anyway, sure. I love you, though. Uh, here's what I think of tonight. Oh, yeah. I, have you got a date set yet to go down there to Henry Cooper's a Country Pleasing down at Florence? Everybody, you got to go. It ain't just about sausage. You'll never see nothing like what he's got and the taste of the stuff he's got. It's all. But anyway, look here. Can you do it on a Wednesday? Sure. Um, we can't. We don't have a date set, but we could do it on a Wednesday. Does that work for you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that way me and Lou Bell, because see right now everybody hell stays eat more chicken. Right now, uh, Wednesdays is uh, going to be our day off uh, right now, We, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that way me and Lou Bell, I wouldn't have to burn a vacation day. And uh, me and Lou Bell come down there. We about ready to uh, re- re-up the deep freeze on some steaks and pork chops and bacon. I mean, that, have you tried this boudin yet? No, I haven't. And was it you, Chicken Hawk, who was telling me that Country Pleasing has uh, the best bacon, or was that somebody else? Oh no, no, I told you that. Look here, I, yeah, it's all, uh, it's up there. Uh, it's almost the top. You can't hardly find nothing that compete with rice. But let me tell you, Country Pleasing yeah. bacon bubble. That ain't nothing Henry mm-hmm. Cooper got down there that ain't that ain't awesome. I mean, he cares. That's what I'm saying. I mean, and I know it's a. It sounds like, you know, just talking about a sponsor, but it really is true because oh, you know, is. early on I got a hold I got a hold of all kinds of stuff from them, not just sausage. And you're yeah. right. Um you, you can't you can't get anything in there that is not fantastic. Oh, it's it's top quality. He he sells choice and he sells prime 
cuts of beef. I mean, just, I mean, I, I mean, you know, we could go on and go on and go on about Henry. I've known him a long time, but he, yeah, do it on a Wednesday there. And look here, if you talk right. to Jonathan, I know it's a little early, but you know, Jonathan always does a big uh, fall deal. And uh, I got a buddy of mine that's one of them, uh, you know, black and black and gold fellas. You know, uh, to the top guys wants to carry uh-huh. me, you, and uh, Jonathan out. When uh, if you talk to him, when, when you gonna do a uh, remote for him? We ought to just do it in back-to-back days. Like, you know, come down there in the area and just do it back-to-back days. I'll let you know, Chicken Hawk. Whenever we do plan it, I'll let you know on the air ahead of time. Hey, yeah, seriously, I'll, I'll, I don't – I mean, um, I don't see why we couldn't plan to go to country pleasing on a Wednesday. I'll just check with Henry and we'll make it happen. Yeah, do that on a Wednesday. And if you got to do back-to-back with Jonathan, then I'll – you, I would burn a vacation day for to come on up there for you and Jonathan. Add I'd up, burn baby. A yeah, I'd do that. <laughs> but looking here. All right, I appreciate I it, Chicken Hawk. I'm just about to get down here to Sweet Lou Bales' arms down here in Homewood, Mississippi, making his left hand turn into the crib. So y'all have a wonderful day, and I love all of y'all. Hail State. Hale State. Thanks for the call, Chicken Hawk. Good to hear from you. First call of the day on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Now, over here on the country, the aforementioned Country Pleasing text line, Country Pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast, and you can even order it at countrypleasing.com. They'll deliver it to your house, house uh, FedEx with a little ice in there. Yep, they sure will. Gator Nation on the Country Pleasing text says, uh, Matt, so sorry to hear about uh, Coach Dying, Coach Majors. Can you tell me the story of how Fulmer stabbed Majors in the back? Well, Gator Nation, I don't know the details. You know, again, for somebody like me, like all of us, all we're going off of is second, third, fourth-hand information that get passed down here and there and on the Internet. And I just know this. There are many, 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 many people in, well, in college athletics, still in it, all over the place who are under the impression and belief that, for whatever it's worth, that back in the early 90s when Johnny Majors, uh, you know, he had the health issue, the heart issue that took him away from the team for a little bit, was recovering from that. And during that time, Philip Fulmer was burning up the phone line, talking to one particular influential booster at Tennessee that ultimately led to, uh, right after that, you know, I think they went 3-0 and when Fulmer was the interim. Majors came back. They they lost some games. And and then they promptly just went ahead and asked Johnny Majors to move on, uh, to leave or retire. Well, he didn't retire. He went to Pittsburgh. And then Fulmer got the job. And, look, Fulmer got the job and won. He had Peyton Manning as his quarterback. And then that led into T. Martin being the QB the year they won the national championship in 98. And so they won. But. The belief, I mean, it was like over the course of two days when um, I think Johnny Majors was still recovering from the heart stuff, Fulmer had like, I think they said something like 36 phone calls between he and this one particular booster who was influential, who then drove the wagon in making sure that Fulmer became the permanent head coach. So whether it was vindictive or not, that's between them and God. I just think those are some of the details of what happened all those years ago. True Maroon on the Country Pleasing text line says, uh, here's something I always say, I think he probably meant to talk about. 
Um, he goes, okay, something to talk about. What is all get out? When somebody says, man, it's hot as all get out. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know what it means, but we, well, I don't know where it came from, but we know what it means. Somebody tells you it's hot as all get out. That means it's hot. <laughs> we just, we know what it means. A uh, male person, a uh, mad male person says he's changing the subject, but I was wondering if you got to a Civil War relic hunt while in Vicksburg. Uh, I have not done that now or recently. Uh, I haven't done it this week or recently, male person. In the past, though, I have. Um, been a while. Uh, I had a period of time where I really got into it there for a couple of years, not just in Vicksburg, but all over. Uh, North Mississippi, all parts um, of going out and you kind of connecting with history, uh, Civil War relic hunting and finding all kinds of stuff. So, no, I haven't done it recently, um, but in the past I have. Probably the coolest thing I ever found, and it was in Vicksburg, um, was dug up out of the ground. It was about a foot and a half to two feet under the ground. Had a big hole to finally pull out this artillery, fully intact artillery shell, a Hotchkiss uh, shell that would have been fired out of a Union cannon into a Confederate position. Anyway, yeah, so um, have done it in the past, haven't done it recently, but still interested. I, You know, you probably heard me mention, male person, that uh, in Vicksburg, I've been going and walking. You know, and it's three or four miles a pop when you go and you walk through the military park. You have the North Loop and you have the South Loop. They're both in that three-and-a-half-mile range somewhere in there. Very hilly. It's a great place to go walk, and it goes by quickly because there's things to look at <laughs> and, and ponder uh, as you walk. And there's no traffic right now. There's zero cars. And so walkers, joggers, bikers, you kind of have it to yourself. I've been going and doing that. And in one particular part of the park earlier in the week, I was walking. I'm staying on the road. Uh, and I didn't get off the road very much because all of the um, park has grown up. Uh, you know, It's been closed, so there's been very little maintenance. There's no mowing. So all of the park off the main path, the, the weeds and stuff are thigh and waist high, just everywhere. And But there was this one park on the side of a hill I noticed that had uh, had some, it had kind of washed away some erosion. The topsoil was gone, and the bare dirt was exposed. And I kind of had a sneaky suspicion you might be able to see something, so I walked up there. I think this was either Monday or Tuesday this week, and this is in the park, and I walked up there. And sure enough, I didn't go too far, and I saw sort of sticking out of the ground but still embedded in the ground a bullet, a fired uh, 58 caliber, what they call a mini ball. You historians and kids studying history in school know what that is. You could see it sticking up out of the ground. Uh, the nose of it, I could see on the nose that it was fired because it had a little ring around it where the soldier had uh, kind of mashed the lead down with his ramrod before he pulled the trigger and fired it. Uh, you know, at the enemy. And I didn't pick it up. Uh, that would be against uh, what you agree to do when you go in that park. And so for my own conscience, I left it where it was. But who knows, some little whippersnapper, you know, some kid may see that and uh, get to see it and experience that for themselves, which would be pretty cool. Nick on the uh, Country Pleasing text line. Says, any comment on the two MSU players that transferred to FSU because of a tweet? And now, um, what striking because of something Norvell said? Life comes at you fast. Well, first of all, Nick, 
those two players that transferred from state are not transferring because of a tweet from Coach Leach. Okay, that is an that is something's made up. That's not reality. They can they can say it. Anybody can say it, but I don't believe it, and I'm telling you, you shouldn't believe it either. In fact, I I only think one of them even mentioned that, but not both. So you're taking kind of a a a piece of yarn and running with it to you know to insinuate that in your text. And then, yes, I'm going to get in that story next. Uh, there are some details. If you haven't heard that, what Nick is talking about is the new head coach, Mike Norvell at Florida State. He went there for Memphis. Hasn't coached a game yet. He's first year. And he had some type of statement in an interview about all the things going on racially in the country and that he had met with players. I think mean, he said he had met with players, including one-on-one and all this kind of stuff. In the interview, well, one of his own players called him out um, on social media for saying that, saying that hasn't happened. He has not met with us or talked to us. <laughs> and then he went a step further and said, we're not working out. We ain't going to do any more workouts because the coach lied. Now, I'll give you the, some more details. Uh, there is an update today from someone at the university there at Florida State. Nick, I don't know if you've seen that, but there is an update. Um, I'll tell you what they're saying. It's going to go away, and they're going to work out. But, yeah, thanks for your thanks for your text on the Country Pleasing text line. Uh, Jason and Flagstaff, I'll get your text next. Y'all get them in, 885-ESPN on the Country Pleasing text line. You can be like Chicken Hawk, call me on the Divinity phone, and we're just getting started here with you on this Thursday. All of those headlines, including Drew Brees, coming up next. I'm Matt. Stick around. on the show. I'm Matt Beaver is here, and most importantly, you are here and tuned in. I appreciate you listening however you're listening, wherever you're listening from, whether it's uh, on your radio, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, WRKS, Jackson, Central Mississippi. Maybe you're listening to the replay here tonight. WVBG Vicksburg, 107.7-1490 Talk Radio. Hey to y'all. In Vicksburg, or maybe you're listening online at um, streaming it online at thezone1059.com or elsewhere. Maybe you're listening to the podcast. Thanks for doing it. However, and y'all always can reach out to me if we're on the air. Yep, you can text me, call. If we're not on the air, feel free to tweet me at Radio Wyatt. Hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. So lots of ways to communicate, and I just love hearing from you. That's what makes it go. When I stop hearing from you, I'll just move on and do something else. That's I'm not interested in always just kind of hearing my own voice or thoughts, to be honest. So on that note, y'all call me on the Divini phone. It's 995-1059, 995-1059, or text me on the Country Pleasing text line, 885-ESPN. If you need the number, it's 885-3776. There you go. We were talking about relic hunting stuff. Jason in Arizona, he's normally or initially, I guess, raised up in the Tishomingo County area. He told me, I know some places around Iuka and Belmont 
been trying for years to get you up there with that drone. Listen, Jason, I'm dead serious. We'll hook up on that now, okay? I mean, seriously. Next time you're coming back to the area, you know I live not far from there, you tweet me and let me know you're going to be there, and I'll come meet you. Sure enough, we'll we'll get the clearance with the uh, – I've got the license. Did you all know that? I am a licensed unmanned aircraft – well, small unmanned aircraft. <laughs> I'm a licensed drone pilot. Passed the test. Sure did. Have a license with my name on it that I got in the mail. It's in my wallet. Uh, and so we'll get the clearance if we need clearance in the airspace, and we'll go up there. I'd love to do that. Speaking of airspace, the passing game in football, all right, there is something on TV tonight that is one of the more f- uh, famous passes thrown in the history of college football. Let's see. It's going to be on ESPN at 7 Eastern, so 6 o'clock around here if you want to watch it. They're doing a Thursday throwback or throwback thursday anyway classic college football and it's going to be on espn and tonight it's the 1994 miracle at michigan anybody remember what that is i mean if you don't you know earmuffs cover your ears because it was uh, obviously the cordell stewart michael westbrook deal they hooked up right at the end of the game to beat michigan colorado remember that cordell stewart Hail Mary, where he threw it like the length of the family, he threw it a long way. It's been exaggerated over the years, what, 65 yards in the air or whatever, and Westbrook comes down with an end zone. Colorado beats Michigan. It's a And it was an incredible game before that. I remember it from back in 94. I was a senior in high school. They're going to show you that game tonight on ESPN starting at 6, and I, I think it's worth watching. Well, the way I found the out, I, I wasn't like flipping through the guide, I happen to see a link over at ESPN.com. They've done a story about the most memorable Hail Marys that you've witnessed. Now, they kind of polled two of their main writers, Bill Connolly and Mark Slaybach. Um, and I started reading through it, okay? And there's several that I had forgotten about, you know, end-of-the-game moments and all this. Well, they raised one question in here that it brought back a memory. I had only seen this on YouTube, but it brought back a memory, and I guarantee you there's a bunch of y'all that remember this that have forgotten about it. What it said was, who's the most famous quarterback who completed a Hail Mary in college? Okay, so they're going through the whole derivatives of Hail Marys. Like, you know, which Hail Mary had the most significant impact on a season? And the one you remember the most, and um, the best the, the best non-Hail Mary finish that you can think of, and all this kind of stuff. But that question in the middle, who's the most famous quarterback who threw a Hail Mary in college? And this is what they came up with. 1989 had been a season of surprises for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles and their quarterback, Brett Favre. Earlier that year, they had stunned Florida State. But against Louisville, the game was tied at 10 with just nine seconds to play. The Golden Eagles were on their own 20-yard line. Impossible odds, right? Three wide receivers, left side, one to the right side. Favre drops back to throw, under pressure, scrambles right, gets away from Washington. He's going to throw it as far as he can down the field. 
It is tipped and caught by Tillman. Tillman at the 20, the 15, the 10. Touchdown, USL. How about that? And the call, the radio call from back then in 89 with John Cox, the great John Cox, who's still doing Southern Miss sports on the radio today. That clip is on YouTube. We went and found it. Uh, the voice you heard at the beginning, that's from an old TV show uh, on ESPN. That's Chris Fowler, you know, Herb Street's partner, uh, who was introing that. You can go see it. There's the highlight. You can watch and hear the call of John Cox. Um, but they that's the one they pointed out in this article. Um, it was against Louisville in 1989. The game was tied at 10 with nine seconds left. The ball was at Southern Miss's 20-yard line. And now now let that sink in. You're going, wait a minute, hold on, timeout. Hail Mary from your own 20-yard line, right? Well, if you go watch the clip, he didn't throw the ball in the end zone because Brett Favre, on that clip you heard, he's snapping it at the 20, but then he drops back. Then he had to roll out to buy some time, get away from pressure. He rolled to his right, went all the way to the sideline. His feet... We're on about the, his own 10-yard line when he threw the ball. So he didn't throw it into the other end zone, 90 yards, but he did throw it to about the 30, the 25, or the 30-yard line on the other side of the field where there's this big crowd of people, and sure enough, yes, the ball gets tipped up. And um, you heard him say Tillman, that's Daryl Tillman for Southern Miss, caught it and then ran. the. He, the, he caught it on the tip on a dead run, so he already had momentum, and he kind of goes around everybody and ran it all the way in. Um, it was They said it was tipped at the 35. I guess that's right, about the 30 or the 35. The way it's worded in this article, Favre took the snap, rolled to his right. A Louisville lineman nearly brought him down, but Favre broke away with a devastating stiff arm. Now, you hear devastating stiff arm, you go, wait a minute, hold on time out. When you, what do you mean? Okay, it's a little exaggeration. He did stiff arm the guy to stay away from him, but it was a heck of a stiff arm. He planted his feet, threw the ball as far as he could. Louisville defenders tipped the ball at their 35, and Daryl Tillman caught it. Tillman broke a tackle and outraced two defenders into the end zone as time expired in a 16-10 to win. And you know what's cool about that? That was in 89. The week before, you heard Chris Fowler say in that clip, the week before Southern Miss had upset Deion Sanders and Florida State, which I know a bunch of y'all remember that game too. So before I move on from it, I just want to hear the Beaver. Let's play the uh, highlight one more time. 1989 had been a season of surprises for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles and their quarterback, Brett Favre. Earlier that year, they had stunned Florida State. But against Louisville, the game was tied at 10 with just nine seconds to play. The Golden Eagles were on their own 20-yard line. Impossible odds, right? Three wide receivers, left side, one to the right side. Favre drops back to throw. Under pressure, scrambles right, gets away from Washington. He's going to throw it as far as he can down the field. It is tipped and caught by Tillman. Tillman at the 20, the 15, the 10. Touchdown, USL. What a great call. Was it on television? Some of y'all may remember. I don't remember. You know, you go back and look. Boy, Southern Miss, uh, they were not only competitive, they were knocking people off in those five years. Of course, in 89 there, they beat Florida State, Louisville back-to-back. You know, and then they began the 1990 season 
I believe it was the season opener. Heck, it, it might have been week two, but it was early. I was thinking it was a season opener the next year in 1990. Southern Miss beat Alabama. I believe it would have been Gene Stallings' first or second year as the Alabama head coach. And uh, I remember because growing up in Alabama, uh, my dad and I, we were we were dove hunting. No, we were fishing. We were in a boat fishing listening to that game on the radio when Brett Favre and Southern Miss beat Alabama. Uh, I'll never forget that to start the 1990 season. Football is not far away, uh, and I'm giving you a heads up. we got a, a countdown of 100 teams in 100 days coming up in just a few minutes. we come back and finish out this hour. We'll have team number 93 today. It's 93 days away from kickoff on September the 5th. Uh, so that's coming up. We'll do team number 93. I've got some other college football news that you need. Yes, there are positive coronavirus tests that are popping up at these college campuses all over, some close by as players get back on campus. Here's one, though, uh, with all the questions and, and angst, I keep saying, others keep saying, listen, uh, there, there are too many jobs, there's too much money, it's too important to the universities for football to take place in some capacity for it not to. So it's going to happen. Uh, a week, here's a story, a week after a revised decision allowed stadiums in Texas to open to fans at 25% capacity, Governor Greg Abbott, this is Texas, the state of Texas, said here in the last 24 hours, the attendance capacity at Texas stadiums open to fans is up to 50% in an effort to further open the state economy amid the coronavirus pandemic. Good news for places like Jerry's World that are supposed to host USC and Alabama in week one, 93 days from today. Just want you to know that. All right, 100 Teams Countdown coming up next. Stick around. Welcome back. Have y'all seen this um, news over the last couple of days of all these college players, all these college football players coming back, you know, to their campuses? They're most of them, uh, just about all of them, not all, curiously, not all, but just about all are going through initial testing for the coronavirus, whether they have symptoms or not. Like most of these schools. The players are coming back this week, getting ready for volunteer workouts that are going to begin next week. How voluntary, we'll see. It probably varying degrees at different schools, but uh, they're all coming back. Most schools are testing them just upon arrival. We're just going to test you to make sure. And so you're getting positive tests. I did see, I said curiously because I saw where, like Arkansas, for instance, the University of Arkansas is not doing initial testing uh, upon arrival of their players and that's a, again at least according to um, according to one report that I saw I was looking at Ross Dellinger who's now with Sports Illustrated or is, or is he with the athletic now who's Ross with yeah he's with he's with SI now 
But Ross um, pointed out, he, he had one tweet that says, as it turns out, Arkansas is one of the schools not planning on initially testing their players when they come back, not initially testing them when they come back. Hog Jowl, if you're listening, you may be keeping up with it, know more about that, whether it's true or not, and the reasoning behind it. He had a quote based on that from an epidemiologist who said, quote, no testing is just bizarre. And all of that popped up on his Twitter feed because there was a story from Chris Vanini that said seven Arkansas State athletes tested positive for coronavirus upon their return to campus. All seven of them were asymptomatic, and all seven of them are currently in quarantine, and I think they have to be in quarantine for like 14 days, at least according to what I saw. The the link to that also carried a little comment with it that said any school that isn't testing athletes who return could find itself with a big problem. Well, apparently, at least most recently, these folks who cover college athletics were under the impression that Arkansas was one school who was not going to test its players upon returning to campus. And folks are saying, well, if you don't, it's bizarre and it could cause a problem. And I know Jason probably would use some other words other than bizarre. I just saw uh, yesterday you did have the story of one positive coronavirus test for an Ole Miss athlete. Um as well as one positive test for a staff member. The way it was worded in the story that I saw, a student athlete and an athletics staff member have tested positive for coronavirus. And then again, that's at Ole Miss. They both are asymptomatic. If you don't know what that means, they're they're not showing any signs, but they have it. It says they are asymptomatic but will be quarantined for 14 days. Then it said contact tracing will be done to see if they have uh, interacted with anybody else per protocols at Ole Miss. So they're contact tracing. Who have you talked to? Who have you been around for this many days and that many days? Of course, you had the announcement of I think it was up to three players last night at Oklahoma State who came back. They were tested initially. They have it. They're in quarantine. So I don't know what your reaction to that is. For me, number one, I'm not surprised just because it's going to happen. We might as well get used to that. In fact, it's going to happen ongoing. We're just going to keep hearing about positive tests after positive tests. I mean, it's just here. It's here to stay. We might as well get used to that part of it. The same way, look, I'm not comparing it to the flu. I'm saying the same way that we have heard for years Well, so-and-so got the flu. Well, at some point, it's going to become so commonplace, so-and-so tested positive. He's shut down for two weeks. I I mean, that's just, it is everywhere. We're all going to come in contact with it, those of us who haven't already. Guarantee you there's a whole bunch of us who have had this thing and passed it off and never have been tested for the virus or the antibodies. That's just the world we live in. And there is an element of being careful. You've got to be super, super responsible with this thing. But there's also an element of now, if you know, for some people, if all it takes is a positive test to make you think we should shut everything down, then, then just shut it down. Just live at home. Let's all be hermits because we'll never go outside again. 
because it's here to stay and you're going to continue to see those tests. I just imagine with voluntary workouts beginning next week and all that kind of stuff, that kind of news is something we better just get ready for. That's what I think. Something you may be ready for, because I mentioned it a while ago, we started it last week, a week ago today, in fact, we started it. And that is the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Today is team number 93 on the list. Let's get into it. Here's our countdown of 100 teams, 100 days. It's the final countdown. 100 teams, 100 days. All right, so team number 93. As we're 93 days away from that first full Saturday, September the 5th, team number 93 on the countdown is Western Michigan from over there in the Mac. Yeah, now let me just go ahead and promise you, I, I peeked ahead uh, as we get into teams number, tomorrow will be team number 92 and 91. Monday, we're going to have teams number 90 and 89, and it gets more and more interesting going forward. I can promise you that. I mean, nothing against Troy and Miami of Ohio and Western Michigan, but that's just kind of where we are because I'm using the uh, full list of all Division I teams that they have on the Football Power Index at ESPN. So today's team number 93 is Western Michigan, a team that is projected to win six games, maybe seven this year with their schedule. They do they do play Notre Dame. Just let me give you uh, just some basics. We'll learn a little bit about all these 100 teams. You and I will do that together so that when kickoff does happen in early September, we'll know a little bit. We'll all be a little better for it. Huh? All right. So the Western Michigan Broncos, they're the brown ones. Okay. You got Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan. As far as I know, you don't have northern and southern Michigan, but at this point, why not? They are the Western Michigan Broncos. They wear brown uniforms. Their um, their hashtag brand or slogan that you see with their fan base, you know, like you have hashtag Hail State at Mississippi State. What does Ole Miss have? Is it? I mean, I've seen hashtag Ole Miss, but do they have one? Is it like fins up or something like that at Ole Miss? Or do they, well, it'd be hotty toddy, wouldn't it? It'd be hashtag hotty toddy. That's what it is. So it's in that vein. Theirs is let's ride. Okay, let's ride. Hashtag let's ride. That's what Western Michigan fans use on social media because they're the uh, Broncos. They're out there in the MAC. Their coach is Tim Lester. He's in his uh, fourth season. Prior to going to Western Michigan. He was the quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator at Syracuse for a few years, and they had some success there um, in his uh, time there. Last year, Western Michigan, they went 7-6, and six, pretty much projected to kind of be and do uh, the same type stuff this year out there in the mat. They're really competitive. This is the school where P.J. Fleck, made a name for himself, and they had a lot of success, and then he landed the Minnesota job, you know, row the boat. That's where it all started, Western Michigan. And then they went and hired Tim Lester, who's kind of kept it going after that. Uh, they're getting one of their better players back on defense who was injured last year, who's an NFL prospect, defensive back, Dwayne Eskridge. You'll hear his name come draft time, all that kind of stuff. And um, anyway, seven-game winner. We'll see if that actually does wind up happening. If we were to look at their schedule, I'm going to look at their schedule real quick and just see. Like I said, I know that 
Western Michigan has Notre Dame on the schedule. I'm sure that's the most high-profile non-conference game uh, for them. Although, being from the MAC, those MAC teams, they'll play a pretty hefty non-conference at times because they get they get paid to come do it uh, at times, you know, depending on who, what, uh, when, and where. Yeah, it's week three this year, so September 19th when Western Michigan is supposed to play at Notre Dame. They also have uh, Syracuse out of conference uh, right after the Notre Dame game. It's supposed to host Syracuse. They host Cincinnati and Colgate elsewhere in non-conference, and then they host a bunch of uh, uh, MAC games. You know, I was thinking about this. I told you I used the FPI, the Football Power Index, and we started at 100 with this countdown last week, a week ago today. It was Vanderbilt was team number 100. And... Um, I, don't, I never did even glance to see if there were any teams outside of 100. Like the ESPN FPI goes all the way to 130. Okay, so that means there will be 30 teams that are not going to be covered in our countdown on this show. And I wondered if there were any interesting ones out there. you got a bunch of Mountain West teams, um, you know, like San Jose, Utah State, a bunch of those that are outside of the top 100. Uh, other than that, I don't, I don't see us really missing out on anybody. Of course, South Alabama is in that last 30. Uh, UConn is down there. Uh, but that's it. I don't see any teams that are on state or Ole Miss's schedules outside of the top 30. So we're pretty much going to cover them all just by doing the 100. And like I said, tomorrow we'll have two teams that will take us into the weekend, uh, one from Conference USA and one from the Mountain West. And then on uh, Monday, we'll have two more. We'll have an independent and a Conference USA team on Monday as we continue this countdown. Pretty soon, we're going to be inside of three months. All right, hour two of the show coming up. Stick around.